Welcome to the Calm Nights, Strong Days podcast. With over 30 years in the health and wellness industry, I've realized there's no one-size-fits-all solution for sleep and stress resilience. What affects one person's sleep and ability to handle stress is different for each of us. The stage of life you're in, work and home stressors, your DNA, genetics, upbringing, social life, and more all affect how your body handles stress and your quality of life. Join me as we explore a variety of tools, strategies, and solutions I've employed with clients over the years in solo episodes, as well as insightful interviews and experts. Together, we'll unravel more pieces of the puzzle, empowering you on your journey to calm nights and strong days. So let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to episode 21 of the Burnout Expert Podcast. Today, we're going to dive into how I raised my overall stress tolerance significantly, like it was 20 points all in one day. Um, Before we start diving into what I did, I'm going to give you a quick 101 on how I tracked it. So your HRV is your heart rate variability. Now, your heart rate variability is your body's ability to handle stress. It is the time that is in between your heartbeats. And so it's not the number of times your heart beats in a minute, that's your heart rate. Heart rate variability is that time in between. So when you are running, when you're working out and your heart's beating faster, you're stressed, your heart really goes faster. And that time in between in milliseconds, in between beats is shorter. When you are relaxed and your heart then slows down, you have a longer time in between those heartbeats. And so the HRV, you can track it during the day, but there's so many variables. So, I mean, you are working out, there's different things stressing you out. It could just be a hot day. You might've just eaten sugar. So different things can be affecting your HRV, but when you're sleeping, most of the time your sleep is pretty consistent. The the temperature, the place that you're at, sleeping in a bed with or without somebody, a lot of these things are, are very, very consistent most of the time. So we tend to take your HRV while you're sleeping. Your HRV is the most consistent number that you should get. And that number is going to tell you how much stress your body can tolerate. Now, when people come to me, so the lower the number is, the more your body is struggling to manage stressors. A lot of people that come to me, come to me in the twenties, sometimes in the fifteens and stuff when they're really deep, deep, deep burnout. I do have others that do come to me in the thirties and forties and like, I'm stuck, which is where I was. I was like, what the heck? I'm like, doing all the things I'm stuck in the forties. I'm 49. And for a female as male as males, I think between 40 and 60, the average for us for an average person is around 60. And so I could not get into the sixties An athlete themselves will be, um, can be in like 90 hundreds on good recovery days. When you push your body hard, so every time you do do a workout, your HRV should lower the next day if you push hard, mental stress or physical stress. 
The key though is, did you recover the next day? So you do a workout, say on a Sunday, you hit it hard in the gym, or you have a big deal closing at work and you've like a project is ending and you put so much time and effort into it. And you have that happening on Sunday, Monday, your HRV should be a little lower because you did push yourself, you taxed yourself. So your stress tolerance should be a little bit less, but Tuesday, it should be higher. And so an athlete on their highest should be around like the hundreds and stuff. My son, he's 11, wears my old aura ring. And for him, his highest, he's actually been in the 200s before. Um, his His high would be like 150s and stuff. A good for him is like 90s. And um, like he'd be in the 150s if we were like, if he was chilling for a few days. When he's in the, the 90s, 100s, 110 and stuff, that's when like maybe he was swimming the day before doing some stuff. If he's had quite a few days or, or tests coming up, been stressful or he's getting sick, he'll drop to like 50s, 60s, stuff like that. When he had COVID, he was actually 15. So this marker is really good because it tells you your stress tolerances. When your number is lower, you're usually shorter. With people, you have less tolerance for everybody around you. You're not able to, um, just easier frustrated. You're not as happy. You don't have as much joy in things. Uh, Brain fog, things take you, it's harder to process things. Your body doesn't recover as well. You're not gonna get personal best in the gym and working out. You might start getting like injuries and stuff like that. So it's important for our body to not always be in the highest because we need to be stressing ourselves out as well to handle stressors, but we need to have that balance of going up and down and up and down. And I could never get mine past like the forties, the odd time I'd get in a fifties, but so far and few between And I was stuck. I was frustrated. I was like, what the heck is going on? And as you know, from listening to this podcast, there are so many different factors that can be placing stress on your body. We have illnesses and injuries. We have nutritional factors. We have health factors. We have the physical demands. So if you're working shift work, if you're, if you're um, maybe training for a race or something, then you have all of these, these physical stressors on you. You may have mental stressors of working hard on a project, um, closing a deal at work. You may have um, ill parents or an ill child or financial stressors, relationship struggles, all of these things are the mental. Then we get into social as well. During COVID, a lot of extroverts were really struggling with lockdown and the introverts were thriving because of the social aspects. Um, so you get all of these different pieces in this puzzle. And I had worked on so many. I worked on my gut health, on my hormones, um, all the stuff I teach with clients. Like, All of this is what I teach. And I'd worked on all of it. Now, there is one piece that I don't teach that I do always refer out to. um, And and I was resisting it because I was like, nah, I'm fine. And so what it was, was actually working on traumas. And I had a coach at one point that said, oh, everybody has childhood traumas. And I'm like, no way, not me. Middle-class family. Monday to Friday, my parents worked Monday to Friday, nine to five. It was like clockwork. Dinner was on the table by 5.30. (coughs) 
sorry, I'm just recovering from that flu. I'm just batching some videos or some podcasts together. So my apologies. So it was just totally your typical. We didn't spend tons of money, middle class. We didn't spend tons of money, but we weren't wanting or needing for anything. I really thought I had this just a normal childhood. I mean, all I knew was my childhood and I thought everybody grew up the same way that I did. And it was only once I started diving into some other things, I had volunteered to do this. Um, I, I volunteered to do a, um, uh, a study with somebody on highly sensitive people. And I am highly sensitive to things, to sense, to smells, to lights, um, to toxins, all of those things. And so I did this. And in as I was speaking with her, she was asking me, because I knew I got yelled at a lot. She was asking me to explain where what I had been yelled at, like what what would I being yelled at for? Like, I don't know. I said, I just know I couldn't think. I can totally picture times where I had been yelled at. I know that nothing was um, I know it was just sometimes just because I had a difference of opinion or a different thought or a different idea because I didn't fit into the mold. I didn't realize as well until I was older how much my father drank. Just he came home. My parents had a drink after work. I didn't realize he kept drinking through the night. And that's when he'd start getting madder and madder at myself or my brother. And I just thought that all of this was normal. But when she asked me what I was yelled at for, I couldn't remember. I could not tell you one conversation, one time. I, I can't remember any of what I was yelled at for. And I've learned that when you start blocking things out in your childhood, well, in any time in your life, if you block things out, that's actually a trauma. It's your body protecting you. And then in the same survey, she was asking me, because I was like, oh yeah, I always loved school, whatever. She asked me what it was that I loved about school. And I could not remember. All I remember are feeling inadequate, feeling like I wasn't good enough, feeling like I never fit in. And all of these things, which I started learning were different. It was also, again, me protecting myself, but it was protecting myself because of the childhood stuff. Um, I didn't get yelled at at school. So school was a bit more of a safer spot than home because I never knew when I was going to get yelled at. And so, and I just want to be clear on this as well. Like I'm looking back at this, like my father as well grew up in a family that was very similar and he was never taught how to communicate that he didn't even know how to communicate. So um, there's usually generational stuff involved in all of this as well. But I started diving into this and I was just like, holy crap. I do have childhood traumas. And I started realizing that, that I, through all of this, and I started, I did try to go to a therapist once. Um, and it was a horrible situation. Um, it was definitely not a good therapist. Um, not even just not a good fit with me. He was not a good therapist. And so and I know this now because I've gone to another one. So this is the same thing with different therapists is there are so many different, um, there are different therapists out there that do different types of training and there's good and bad in all of them as well. So if, if you listened to the last 
episode with Vincent, she described traumas as being too much, too soon, or too fast. So when we're saying too much as well, it could be something where you got too much praise. You know, you're, if you're athletic, you got so much praise for being athletic that you, you may have built up this feeling that you had to perform a certain way in sports. And if you didn't, you were a bad person. Like these can, these can create traumas as well. When you actually give too much praise to somebody um, in, in the way that it's given, like, you know, you're so great at sports because you really are working hard at them and you're going to have good and bad days as well. And you're not going to be great at all sports, but that's not always how it's, you know, um, sent or given. And I know as well, like as parents, we are always going to be doing our best and saying the best as we can to our kids, but the way that they interpret it might be, it might've been something that was too fast for them. might've been too much for them. It might've been too soon for them to be experiencing it. We may be pushing them out into the world before they're ready with certain things. And we have all these good intentions and we see the potential in them, but they may, may be lacking some sort of an emotional skill for it. And it creates a trauma. So the thing is, is that most of us, yes, do have some sort of a childhood trauma that we have, that we may not even realize we have. Um, so with many that do come to me, like I have people that come in different stages. Um, some of them have already gone to therapy and are finished. Some of them are mid therapy and some of them have not gone and they're dealing with the physical first. That's what I did. I did the, all the physical stuff first, all the gut, the hormone, getting my nervous system realigned, training my whole body to be strong and resilient to stress and understanding what all of my specific stressors were nutritionally, physically, all of that. And understanding how to best deal with that before I ever delved into the therapy side. The reason that I did was I could not get my HRV up. And I was like, there is something missing. And then when I did do this study and I'm starting to see this, I'm like, oh crap, I do have, you know, I have these <coughs> traumas that are there. Um, so with what Vincent said, too much, too soon, too fast. I've also have interviewed in the past, Dr. Trevor Wilkins, who is a former traffic homicide detective who through his own PTSD was medicaled out on the job and he couldn't find anybody to help him that he actually became a therapist himself and became an EMDR therapist who incidentally deals with childhood traumas and military and first responder traumas. Because there's, as I'm learning, everybody does have some sort of a childhood trauma and then depending on certain other things that have happened in your life, you may have other traumas as well. So in speaking with him, he taught me that with EMDR, you have certain files in your brain for situations. And there, this, and when a situation happens that you were not prepared for at all, then if you don't have a file in your brain, it just keeps going in limbo, which means it keeps you know, appearing in your thoughts or appearing in your body, it doesn't have, it doesn't sit in its place. So examples of this are, I hear big one all the time is if something happens to your child, when anything happens to a child of yours, if it's an illness, um, I know of, of somebody this week that had told me that they had to do CPR on their child and, and it was a long road of recovery, 
for the incident that had their child needing CPR and all of those traumas. No parent has a has a file in their brain for that. No one does. We can also look at a situation of like uh, policing. This is this is one that I use quite often as an example. And you could be an officer that is highly trained in a specific area. So it could be uh, this. I do have it. No, I'm not going to use that example. Um, so one that I do do is with certain scenarios, certain shootings or active attacker things. If you are somebody that constantly is practicing that um, like going through drills of, okay, if this happens, this is what we do. If this happens, this is what we do. If this happens, this is what we do. And if that situation comes up, you may find that that specific officer may not be as affected as the other officers that came on from other divisions, other units that came in to help in that scene that they had not been practicing and doing drills over and over again for what may happen in that specific situation. And so with that, you don't have a file in your brain. This can happen even just in, in simple things in life. So, well, for example, even with me, I didn't have a file in my brain for a child being yelled at. And so that was sitting around and it also created these beliefs in me that I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't smart enough because anytime that I had different ideas and I'm actually realizing now um, that I'm really smart, which I, it's crazy. I'm 49 years old and I'm actually realizing how smart I am. I used to do math competitions and all kinds of stuff, but I never, ever, ever felt like I was smart. And I'm realizing how much it, like I retain and do that I never thought I was smart enough because anytime I had different ideas that were different or that were not really against the norm, but maybe were ideas that could go into really big ideas, they were squashed when I was little. And I also never felt like I had a voice because it didn't matter what I said. And so I stopped advocating and sticking up for myself. So these are things as well that I didn't have files in my brain for. So I created these certain beliefs in myself as well. And that's where EMDR can come in and help to give files to those pieces that you haven't given files to that are kind of just going in limbo in your brain. Um, it could even be at work where you have a project and it's this great project that you're working on and somebody squashes it or you've been working really, really hard on something at work and somebody comes in and just completely dismisses all of the work that you've done on it and they move on to another project. You may not have had a file in your brain for that and that does create a trauma. Now there's big T, little T, they're all over uh, with first responders on calls, you get those big T traumas, but there's a lot of stuff that happens in the office and um, in your personal life that can also be big T's, but also a lot of little T's and they all add up. They all do. So there's another type of therapy called parts therapy and parts therapy is where now I'm 49 years old. I have learned so much through my life. I have grown so much through my life and where I am now and what I see things from a different perspective is very different than 
I saw things even two years ago, three years ago. Then I saw things 10 years ago. Then I saw things when I was in university. Then I saw things when I was in high school. Then I saw things when I was a child. And what happens is like, if we go back to me as a child being yelled at, that child of me did not have the skills that I have now. That child in me did not know how to communicate the way I know how to communicate now. That child in me did not realize as well all the traumas that my father has gone through that was causing him to react the way that he was reacting. <clears throat> and so that child in me was stuck there. And what happened is that child creates a protection. I'm gonna call it like the protector which was to stay quiet. When I was being yelled at, I would just be quiet. Um, I used to yell back as well. So that was part of my protector. So my protector for a while used to just yell and scream back. And then my protector learned as well in certain situations to be very quiet, to not have a voice, not to, to decrease the amount that I was yelled at. And so you can have this protector that I'm still carrying through with me now at 49 years old. I was before I went to therapy because that protector started protecting that child. And as I evolved and grew through my stages and through myself and to become who I am now with all of my perspective now, that child still doesn't have that perspective. And so we see this as well. Like, so there's, um, eating disorders, depression, panic attacks, not having a voice, anger, uh, drugs, alcohol abuse, um, like sex abuse, these things, if, if, if you have any certain habits <clears throat> where like anxiety rules your life or you lash out or you shut down, if we start looking at them as being like your protector as well, when we're looking at, at drugs, Drugs is the protector. And we quite often think, oh, that person should just stop doing the drugs, but it's protecting them from something that they need to kind of figure out what is it protecting them from first. And once they can deal with the protector, the, the parts therapy or internal family systems therapy style of this says that once that protector in whatever part of your life was affected, then that protector can um can can change its role it can change how it protects you it can start learning there was a story in um i'm i'm reading actually the internal family systems book right now and the one story talks about somebody cutting themselves and the cutting was a protection mechanism that the therapist actually went in and they did a therapy session where and this is the weirdest part of this therapy was they went into this therapy session and they were talking to this protector of this person who was cutting. And I'm, I'm telling you, like, this is the weirdest thing. And I remember when I was going through it, I was going, oh my God, this is so weird. But I'm like, okay, I'm paying for this. I'm going to go through this and see how it goes. And so they talked to them and they said, can you stop cutting the wrists? And, they, and the protector said, yes. But the next week, this individual came back and their face was cut. So they had to go in and start talking about like why it's protecting and diving into it more so that it actually just stopped cutting. So I know this sounds so woohoo and I'm not usually into all this, but 
from my personal experience, um, one reason I, I, when I started, I actually did start going into EMDR um, because of, I knew that it had helped many of my clients and I wanted to experience it for myself if I was going to advocate for my other clients with it. I've learned since then that EMDR on itself isn't usually as effective if you're not mixing some of that parts therapy with it as well. So you can work them both together when you have the right therapist. I first started off with somebody who was EMDR and horrible. He still had so many of his issues that he had not dealt with. And uh, yeah, it was, it was very interesting that you do need to make sure that you have a, you're finding a good one. And it can be just even think of this like personal trainers. I used to be a personal trainer. There's good and bad of all of them. There's also so many different great ones, but they have different ways of doing it. So it's finding one that has the style that you like or that is working for you. And so I went and I worked on this parts therapy with the EMDR specialist. Um, she mixed some brain spotting in there as well, which is another form of therapy that helped me one day when I was like really like um, totally, uh, what's the word? I was really set off one day, um, triggered. I was really, really triggered one day and she did brain spotting to bring me down. And then we went into the EMDR and the uh, parts therapy. And so I dealt with that. And then I figured out, okay, how can I can now communicate with my parents? How can I work this out with them so that I can get back a relationship, a healthy relationship with my parents. And once I did that, so once I went through that therapy and I started work, working through the lines of communication with my parents, my HRV went up 20 points, 20 points. But if we stop and think about this, like my family is a big part of my life. And that was a huge stressor. And I also had been telling myself so many things that I wasn't good enough. I wasn't smart enough. I didn't have a voice because of things that had happened to me as a child. And once I was able to, as they say in EMDR, find a file in my brain for that and switch it to where I'm like, I do have a voice. I have a voice that isn't a yelling voice. I have a voice that is allowing me to communicate with my new skills that I've learned throughout my 49 years that I have learned to communicate in order to express my voice. And if other people do not want to hear what I have to say, that's okay. Because they may have different voices, opinions. They also have different history, different story where they're coming from, and they may also have their crap that they're still dealing with. But that's not effective on me as long as what I'm saying is not mean to anybody, as long as it is still within my values. So my HRV went up 20 points from that because that was that one piece of the puzzle of burnout that I still had not dealt with. And it's crazy. Like since I got that, my recovery from workouts is crazy. I'm increasing my workouts intensity now. My body's healing and repairing faster. So the other physical things are starting to come along too even better than when I worked on them solely and did not work on this piece. So a couple of things to consider is that first off, like our medical doctors, where they have different specialties, right? Same thing with um, holistic practitioners. They all have different specialties, hormones, gut. Um, there's just so many different specialties that we can have. So therapies are the same. 
So CBT is one that I hear a lot of. My one son went to, it is currently going to CBT, but we're switching him out. CBT has done amazing with him. CBT is working on your behaviors and your patterns and your reactions to things. Now, what I have been learning though, is that EMDR, parts therapy and brain spotting, they actually work on some of the things that cause your limiting beliefs that have caused some of these patterns that I almost feel like I've done it backwards with my son. I feel like, because he's getting stuck on his CBT, he just can't, there's certain behaviors he can't push through. He can't work. The perfectionism is, and, and not being okay with anybody saying anything to him that's like encouraging, which is crazy. Those things are so stuck in, and, and CBT is not helping him that that's a parts, a parts therapy thing, I believe in an EMDR thing that he needs to work through. So we're working at getting them into somebody else for the EMDR and the parts. And this is the same thing like different medical specialties. So if you've been working with one type of therapy, there's also like talk therapy, there's all kinds of different therapies. If you've been working at one, they all do have their purpose. But if one, you're kind of getting to a point, you've made some progress, but you're still stuck, then it's okay to switch to another kind. It's also okay if you have a therapist that isn't really doing the right things for you or, you know, it's just not jiving for you, switch, go to another therapist and see what it is like with them. I will tell you though, that I would not ever, ever recommend anybody to go to therapy if they're not ready to dive in and do the work. Cause if you're not ready to dive in and do the work, it's not going to work for you. So it's not going to be, be successful for the therapist and for you. Um, I worked on the physical things first for years, many, many, many years all I did was worked on the physical, on the nervous system, on the gut, on the brain. I did work on a lot of mindset stuff, which is more the CBT thing, the cognitive behavioral stuff. I worked on a lot of my behavioral things, but I did not dive into traumas. I did not dive into the deep shit until like the end, right? So, well, it's not the end because I'm always going to be working on myself, but I will tell you therapy is going to suck. I do. I, I, all my clients say therapy sucks but it is so worth it when you get to the other side. It actually did get to the point with therapy where I was looking so forward to it because I would see my HRV rising all the time and I would see how much it benefited me. Like it was just amazing. So it is gonna suck. Only go when you're willing to put the work in. If you have any questions for me on the different types, I'm not an expert by any means, but I can possibly help you with what the differences are and you can choose which ones you want to go to um, and go from there. But if you're stuck, if you are, if you do have an aura ring or whoop band and, or another tracker that tracks your HRV and you're stuck, then, then there's a piece that's missing. If you've already done the therapy, there's another piece. It could be what I do, the nervous system, the gut, the hormones, the, the mindset stuff, like figuring out what I'm really good at helping you figure out what are all of these stressors. And it's so crazy. I am so good at this that I can tell right away when a client I'm talking to needs some help with therapy. And I avoided it myself for years and years. It's funny. It's different when you're in the driver's seat versus sitting there and, and, and working with other people. I mean, you can do it too. It's, it's so easy to see things in others, but not necessarily in ourselves. So I encourage all of you to start looking at where your where you're stuck because getting your HRV up more and more increases your tolerance to stress. It increases, decreases anger. It decreases like 
it's just your your brain is clearer you're able to think you're more calmer and it just affects everybody around you and that can come from the physical sides of stress it can come from the mental side from mindset stuff like nutritional all kinds of things so figure out where you need to if you need help that's where i come in that's what i coach people on i will walk you through all the steps that i know and help refer you to others that are out of my training that being said i'm actually looking into um training in parts therapy and 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 brain spotting and the internal family systems uh to bring that into my practice as well but start doing what you can okay um it's one step at a time start with something small whatever you if you know a stressor right now and you can work on it start with that and go from there and that's it for today's episode. If you have questions, let me know. Andy, A-N-D-I at 911lifestyle.com. Join my mailing list. I'm creating some free trainings. They may already, by the time this is out, already be out in the world. You'll find out from my website, burnoutexpert.ca, if they're already out there. I'll also, in the show notes, if I have free trainings, I'll add them there. So check that out. But get on my mailing list so you can be the first to know about any of the free trainings as well as letting me know what free trainings you do want. And I will start creating those for you. All right, that is everything for today. If you have any questions, you know where to find me. Everything is in the show notes and I will see you in the next episode.